Hey, this is Dirk Revueren from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. It's the Ghost Cult Magazine Podcast. Welcome back, my friends. I'm your host, OJ. In this episode, Kevin Rutmanis stopped by to talk about his two new albums, a new hepatitis record, Uneat, and Done with Rutmanis, Crackpot, Whorehead, featuring Trevor Dunn. Both records are out February 17th on Rock is Hell Records. Ghost Cult Magazine welcomes in the great Kevin Rutmanis. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm so glad. You know, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, we've been connected. I, I want to give a shout out to Discipline PR because I've been mm. connecting with Dan for a while and we interviewed Hayes and I'm such a huge AMREP fan going way back, yeah. like all the bands. And he spent the most time in our interview talking about cows. So it's really <laughs> and and, and as, we're going to talk about this new music. You have two new albums coming out on Rock is Hell Records, but you you are like one of the pinnacle AMREP artists yourself. Oh, bands you've that's been nice. In, things like that. So this is a real treat for me, but also like it's really great to talk to you right when you have two new things coming out. Thanks. You're more than welcome, for real. Hopefully the uh, the sounds of San Francisco don't peel in. We've been getting, I have had like construction right outside my window. All oh, day. I can't hear Good. I me neither. I th- think they're on lunch break. Thanks, guys. Okay. Um, helping me out. But uh, yeah, so you, you, um, you know, I understand, you know, obviously like the, you know, people are very fatigued talking about the pandemic and just everything in the music industry, but you've been kind of outside the mainstream music industry, most of your career anyway. So you didn't have to like follow the little footprints on the ground and do what everybody else does. And do you feel like, you know, just to start the interview, do you feel like you've had some freedom because you're not bound to this like, you know, machine that doesn't stop. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, for sure. You know, the the pandemic, no offense to anyone who had great loss, but that was the best two years of my life. <laughs> no offense. I know people had a terrible time and lost people. Man, I, I never, I haven't worked that much on since I started. It was a daily, it was so fun. I was around my wife and my kid, which it was great. Amazing. But that's, uh, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, listen, and and there were a lot of people who, uh, artists, who didn't lose anything, but they just felt like, oh, I don't know what the next move is. I can't work. Oh, I'm well, yeah, that's, that's um, a deal. I, had I, don't see how, I don't see how touring is going to be able to recover. It's going to have to be a new beast. Right. I, yeah, I do believe we're we're headed for a new paradigm or two. Uh, but yeah, many artists told me like, oh, I just didn't feel creative because everything sucked. And I was like, you know what? That's OK. I'm OK with that. But you had a very productive time. And you it was exact lie. opposite for me. Yeah, I loved it. I had and so all- that's all I did. I did nice. so much music. It was so fun. Oh, that's great. And so it was also an introvert's paradise. If you don't like people that much, you it's had not an that awesome I don't time. like them. I just don't hang around them. There you go. Well, I mean, if you have a few humans you like, like your wife and kids, like yeah. then go do that. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I had a nice time. It's good. <laughs> so, so we have these two records coming out, and uh, you know, one is, uh, you know, hepatitis, which you know has a long running history, and then you have this done with Manus, which seems like a double entendre a little bit. <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh, done yeah. with you, but also the great 
Trevor Dunn, who I was uh, expounding about offline here before we started, who I, lo- I absolutely let's love. Let's throw an extra layer of comedy to that band name is who replaced me and Tomahawk, Kevin. right? Trevor. They were done with Ritmanis. Yeah. I really like that name. I'm glad we used yeah. <laughs> it's, it is funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, uh, not sure, you know, what's, you know, yeah, it's, it's wild. I don't want to, uh, rankle you at all and talk too soon about any bands you're not in anymore, but we'll save that for later. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm more interested about what you're doing right now. And it's uh, fine. Yeah. But you never know. People get very sore. Oh, um, understandably so. <laughs> and, and, you know, sure. It's all, it's all gravy here. Uh, you know, we're just doing our job, but it's really cool that you have these two totally different beasts. As I said, yeah. hepatitis is its own thing has been its own thing. And then you have this new thing where you basically collaborated, uh, you know, across the interwebs with Dunn. Yeah, actually with hepatitis also. Because it was the virus, so we didn't record that stuff together. And how does that, how do you feel, like, how does that process, is that better for you? Is it liberating to do it that way for you, or did you find challenges? In some ways, it was way more liberating. The uh, I mentioned this elsewhere, is the, the um, process of arranging is totally different, because tend to do that stuff in person you know writing a song is like oh let's change that part this part but on the computer it gave me so much time you could try such different arrange pull pull chop out whole chunks of song take half of it and put it somewhere else or take out the bass here and there it was really cool like i'm i'm hoping i can still somehow do it that way so that that to me was i don't really have any bitches about it you know, I've made a lot of records, so to do it a new way is kind of fun. Right. Change things up finally after, you know, the typical. Yeah, it was cool. I thought it was cool. And then in terms of, I mean, you produce a lot of your own material. Is it, is it, it you know, have your own sort of you're running the show kind of thing across these projects? Is it easier for you that way? Less oversight, less arguing? No, we don't really have that problem. <laughs> to be honest, I. Everybody has input, you know, and, and like those hepatitis songs, several, I don't remember the how many, but many of the songs, those guys started the process. They would send me something, then I might add something, or I did the editing. They didn't do the editing, but that's neither here nor there, and and uh, send it back, and they'd add something or take something out. So it was kind of the opposite of what you're saying, you know? It was, uh, And with Trevor, it's just... We barely try. It's so fun. It's really fun. You know, he, one or the other of us would send something because we can record at home, you know, nothing fancy. And, you know, the other one would add stuff and send it back. That was about it. I mentioned this elsewhere. The only direction I remember getting from Trevor during that whole process was he had sent me a really long piece and I didn't add anything to like the last half of it. And he said, oh, I was hoping you'd add something there. That's all I remember. Nice. Well, I mean, that's again, that's the best relationships are when you finish each other's sentences musically and actually. And there's a real uh, lack of ego in both in both bands, which really helps. Well, I was going to say that's kind of your what you know, maybe I don't know personally, but it seems outwardly you've done so many projects across your career, so many different collabs and so many things on your own. That I feel like at this point, that's probably not a thing for you. You you know, it's all on the side. Like the art is the thing up front, right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but you just learn, you know, that 
other people know stuff I don't know. So if I control everything, it's just going to be my ideas. And that's probably not going to be as good. No offense to myself. <laughs> I, I, I mean, other people work differently and want to control all the parts and it works great for me. But that doesn't work for me at all. It's much better if I let everyone. I mean, the cows were that way. It's like, you know, didn't tell each other what to play. <laughs> right everybody comes in and like this is the thing do it you do yeah. do you do your thing on this instead of yeah, do yeah. It my way you yeah. know so many so many bands are the do it my way thing and i and i get it i'm a bit of a control freak it's hard to let sure. go it's hard to let go of your babies right you got to kill your babies but it's right. hard to let go of them. exactly right and i i don't even i'm not even against that it just doesn't work for me fair enough fair enough so of the two records, uh, in terms of the, if there was an order where they worked on simultaneously, did one come before the other? How did this? It was at once genesis? as far as, I think it was all at once. It was really, it was kind of long, pro like there was no pressure. So, and I was kind of doing them both and I was doing some stuff with my wife, another band. We put out like 30 during the, or 20 during the, the virus. So I was just always working with everyone. So it was nice. Was that was that twenty or thirty releases? I dropped out there for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, lathe cut. We did like twenty lathe cut ten inch records during the virus. You know, that's insane. <laughs> it was so fun, so fun. I don't know if you could get away with it now because we're having kind of the vinyl shortage. I do. You know, I want to talk about Rock as Hell for a second, right? Because you, sure. did, you on the in the uh, gracious bios provided to me by PR, you uh, heap some praise. I mean that sincerely because a lot of these bios are not well done. And Dan is wonderful and his team. But He's great. He is so great. And uh, we've done a lot of stuff together lately. So I'm, I want to keep it going. But also praise where praise is due. You said, that, I think there's a thing where you mentioned that these, some of these records are hand done, like the packaging and the layout and the design. Joachim's incredible. The stuff... The <laughs> The work he has put into these is crazy. Uh, I Some of those packages we did with, he would just go along. Like I would propose the most ridiculous shit and he would just go, sure, sounds great. And then we have these amazing packages, really nice. They're screen, you know, there's all of them have been screen printed. He did all, we had a record that was a triple disc. It had two of the discs had no grooves and there was screen printing on the flat side. He's done some amazing stuff. The new, um, I don't even really know how he did this. The, I've never seen it before. The new, uh, here, let me grab the cover. Trevor did it, you know, it's a collage. And somehow, Joachim, you can't really tell. It's it's like a matted, it's matted. This, it, this is raised. There's a raised edge. Do you have the cover? Do you I'm have not, one? not handy yet. I'd love to, but not yet. Uh, but it's, I don't know how he did it. It's like it's matted, but they're inside it's not like that. It's there, it's beveled. It's crazy. That I can't even imagine how much time he spent on each one of these. That's, like, yeah, that's it, insane. It's, it's, it's the best packaging, I'm as far as I'm concerned, that I've seen on anyone's record. And the cover is... Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I love that image. It's insane. I um <laughs> stared at it for a while and lose my mind a little bit. I have a a side a sister podcast where we just talk about vinyl a lot and do like runs of huh. bands, and so that would be we always geek out about packaging and stuff like that. So that thing is just insanely great. His is the best. I swear. I can't believe how willing he's been. 
Right. And because I think because of the limited nature of some of the physical stuff, obviously digital, yeah. we have Bandcamp and I hope people support your, you know, buy your stuff from you on Bandcamp. But I I, I love that. I so it's like to buy in the U.S. DM on Instagram, <laughs> the label. I, know. I was like, I love seeing stuff like that because that's like really a personal experience You're a, a music fan, a lover of this music is not going to get anywhere. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad. That's my wife. She just does it. She's kind of got that like that. And um, there's a, there's certain people that always buy her stuff. She emails them. We got to know when you want it. And they always do. And the other reason we do it that way is I just tell Jokum that just to do everything but U.S. because shipping is insane. So if people get hold of us, I say, get hold of the label. It'll be way cheaper for you. And then we mostly just do U.S. So it's a lot smaller number. So it's it's manageable. Right. But I'm glad you like that. I like that, too. Oh, it's so cool. And and really, like, you know, I, I know it can tend to get hipstery and there's a lot of conjecture right now about who is collecting vinyl and stuff like that. Like maybe half of people, half of people who are buying the vinyl don't have a turntable right now. But like whatever you're building. It's the love of the thing. I grew up with vinyl I and I never thought it was coming back. I actually think cassettes are terrible. I love them as like a utility thing, but like right, right. they sound long, horrible. For long, they sound horrible. They break all the time, especially if you I listen like them to too. Them. I love them, but like I never thought cassettes should come back. But vinyl, I was like, it's gotta make a comeback someday, right? And it did. And I'm really surprised. DJs. DJs saved vinyl. Hundred percent. Uh, I forgot what the movie is about the uh, Limelight Club in New York. I'm from New York City originally. I live in California uh -huh. now. I, I keep there thinking, for years. I keep yeah. I keep thinking about uh, the the DJ that was like just copy Madonna and play Madonna ten inches. <laughs> it was like the the best dance music DJ advice ever. I was like from a from the movie about Michael Alec. I was like that's insane. I was in New York. I lived in New York when vinyl started to come back, and I noticed it right away. Is this is DJs? It was so great. You know, really good deal. They saved the day. Out of curiosity, since you've always, I, I think I referred in my news piece to, or in my social media post about the albums today, I called it outsider music. If you have a lust for outsider music, uh, you know, what do you consider music that pushes your boundaries, that's outside to you that you appreciate and love? Oh, what do I listen to? Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's constant new stuff. It's hard, a little bit hard to pin down. Thank God for the internet. I. I mean, I have so much music not I would have never even known existed. And beyond that, if I did, I would have never found some weird ass free jazz cassette only thing. And I can find and I, I mean, I honestly, I, I download music every day and it's always, you know, it's the most esoteric, some tons of people that did it in their basement or whatever. So there's no real, it's just constant. And I, I do notice that I don't. It's not a lot of current stuff, which I don't know if it's, that's good or bad. It's just how it worked out. Awesome. I'm I'm all about it. And uh, even though we are known for rock and metal, we listen to and cover a lot of other stuff that is not rock and metal. I listen and, to uh, a lot of rock and metal, too. I bet. I can only imagine. Um, but, yeah, it's all good. Um, which reminds me of the punk, the famous punk guy I interviewed recently who gave me some shit about my, my vest behind me. He's like, oh, it's a metalhead guy. And I was like, so what? That's who we are. I like all that stuff. I remember when punks and metalheads were going to kill each other back in the CBGB days. And uh, I, I luckily survived that shit without getting my face punched. Didn't, I mean, I used to kind of have that arrogance too, but I mean, then it dawned on me, those two genres are not very different. Not really. That, that and, shit's, 
what's that Sex Pistols song? Satellite. That's a heavy metal fucking song. Give me right. a break. Motorhead could be both. Misfits could have been both. You it's know, meaningless. Ramones. They cross boundaries. Good music is good music. I always that's the thing I stay with anyway. It doesn't matter what the genre, including pop. Occasionally you get a good pop song. Oh, for sure. I like um, all kinds of music. Today, this is totally random. Today is Phil Collins's birthday as we record this. And I was thinking to myself, like, imagine a imagine someone today that came from like an underground avant-garde group and then became like the most popular pop star in the world for a minute. Yeah. Like you never see it. You never he, see it. So yeah. Really good drummer. And he's He's a session guy. He's a he plays drums on Lou Reed's uh, Berlin record. He's all over. The, he's a really good drummer. He's in a he lot did, of records as a session. He did a whole guy. he did a whole tour with Weather Report. Like Phil is oh, really? like yeah yeah he was oh, in, he was a jazz That's drummer. Great. They liked him because he could play jazz right. And then yeah, he's, he a, gets, he's a good musician. That's all. Yeah, he gets a lot of shit though. I feel bad, and I feel bad about his current like you no know, one wishing on my worst enemy. What's happened to him physically and stuff? But, oh uh, sure. I mean, I don't. I don't like a lot of the shit he did, but so yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. Um, don't get divorced eleven times. Also, bad move. Uh, anyhow, did he do that? Yeah, he said like the world's record for the most alimony paid out. Oh, him my hats Paul. off to him. Him and Paul McCartney. Uh, just stop getting nice. married. It's it's a bad idea if you're not good. I don't mind. Alimony. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> Surely, well, Paul especially. Paul could do whatever. Um, but any case, before we squirrel off the rails too badly, I thought we would take a quick run through these records and i know this you said like the hepatitis record might be a little squiffy for you but like let's give it a shot and do a little whatever you feel like sharing about each song if you recall squiffy and, what's squiffy mean oh squiffy is a good term i picked up from my podcast partner like you know wishy-washy i'm not sure unsure murky oh i just don't remember the titles that's all yeah no worries no worries i can always jam a little of it for you and we can sure depending the on the hepatitis ones i think i know the titles oh all right good so we'll start we'll start with hepatitis then Okay. Um, which I think I have here. All righty. Uh, the first track is El Ravis. The title is taken from a really old book of Elvis impersonations, impersonators. And one of the guys called himself El Ravis because I think his name was Ray. And it's just a really great name. And so uh, vaguely, the lyrics are kind of about an Elvis impersonator that lives in Skid Row. And just, you know, he's just doing his Elvis moves, you know, on the street with crackheads and stuff. So he's a little bit lost, but he, he likes what he does. That could be many of us. I love it. That's uh, right. <laughs> Broken Yoke is the next track. Yeah, that's an old one recording I had done that with some a roommate I had. And it was just you can hear it's just people. I don't think they even knew they were being recorded. And then uh, Paul, the hepatitis drummer. I had this really great drum track of his but i couldn't i didn't like the song that we had built around it but i really liked his drumming and i dropped it and i was like oh this is fantastic so that's that's it nice broken yoke kind of reminded me of like the middle period of pink floyd after oh. after sid and before dark side when they were very like space like rock metal tracky yeah metal i love metal yeah me too Dude, that wasn't in my head but i'll take it yeah nice work uh in Blew It Clean is the third track on Hepatitis. I, I, uh, my kid said some really, he's 11. He said some cool lines just out of the blue. And I was like, oh, those are really good. So I had him write a few of them. And then I just sent them to Sterling. And I said, will you sing these into your phone and send them back? And I had recorded that guitar 
He just dropped them in, cut them apart, made them into fit the music, and that was it. And I sent it off to Jim, who did our mixes, and he added that organ. That's it. Nice. The next track is Dead Hands. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that was drums and guitar that those guys sent me. And I just had came up with those lyrics. Dead Hands is a thing for a, like a atom or a nu nuclear bomb that if some a certain thing happens, it, they call it Dead Hands. And then that just, it's like the hands are holding something. And if something takes out the Dead Hands, it goes off. Very cool. Knocking on every coffin, as I say. Hey, there it is. Uh, Doe Deer is the midpoint of the album. That's a cover of a band, Crystal Castles, who I'd never heard. I found them over the, and I just really was impressed. And I don't know if you've heard their version of that song, but she is such a good singer. And I, I really like her and I really liked, I think that song's really great, but I was like, I can't outdo her in her own game. But I really, I really wanted to do, I just was excited. It was the first time in a long time I've been that excited about a band I hadn't heard before, even though it was 10 years or more ago. So I wanted to do the song, but I knew I could. So I had to do my own thing on it. Nice. I didn't know the song, but I love the band. And our producer, uh, who uh, will be probably chopping this up in the edit, Omar, is obsessed with that band. So he will love hearing that story. My my family is really sick about hearing about I bet. I bet. All the music obsessives, we get like very tunnel vision about stuff that we get focused and on. I, not to diss anyone, but I'm only familiar with the, the first three records that she's in. I know they have a different singer, but I don't know that stuff. But I think she's... Really, she was so young and it's such good singing. Nice. I think she's really good. I love to hear it. New Dizzies is next. Oh, um, that's a really strange one, right? <laughs> I mean, considering the source material. That one, uh, it originally sounded really metal. And then that's the one where Jim, the mixer, really just ran with it. And I, you know, because I the whole time I said, just do whatever you want. And he changed it so much with that really weird mix. And he sent it back and he goes, something like, uh, if you don't like this mix, fuck you. <laughs> wow. That's, That's like, awesome. Well, we better use it. You should check that mix out on headphones. It's insane. It really is a crazy mix. And it changed the song a lot, but I was like, fine, you know. Very cool, very cool. Bolus is the next to last track. That's a I like that song. I think I took that bass riff from about a three second part of a done with Ritmana's song. I'm like, oh, I like that little bit there. So I build a whole song around it and then uh, Paul added drums. There's this weird out of two playing. A friend of mine was student teaching and she recorded this because it was <laughs> so violently out of tune and cool. So I dumped them in there. That's about it. Bolus is a uh, food. When you swallow it, it's called bolus, Very the lump of food. Oh, okay. And then the final track on the Hepatitis new album is I Know I'm Wrong with no punctuation. I know I'm wrong. Those guys had uh, written that song, sent it to me, and I really liked it. And I found a couple on YouTube just arguing, this married couple. And, the, you know, so I just dumped it in there. And those guys were like, well, that's great, but you need to sing in it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I added some singing, you know, some romantic singing. Nice. I, I like that. I like that frame, that frame up there, romantic singing was very good. And then just, you know, obviously, uh, Crackpot Whorehead, just as a title yeah. right off the bat for the the Dunn album, immediately just puts you off your, your heels. You know what I'm saying? 
It's like one of that, those things. That title has affected everyone that interviews me that that title affects people way more than I ex- I expected. That was a, a Trevor's joke. Let me just throw ideas away. He sent me that one. I was like, perfect. Where'd you, and I go, where'd you get that? And he goes, I don't know. I just made it up. And that's it. <laughs> he is a treasure. I will not shut He's up. He's great. Him. He's the best. He really is. Uh, so let's get let's give it a shot on this record. And like I said, anything if you're this one, I might need. Are you just doing them in order of the record? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just doing the. Oh, then I can probably them. figure it out. Okay, then. <laughs> uh, the first track on that record is "Bird Finger." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one. Uh, the I really wanted to do that beginning where it's just occasional, really spaced out sounds. And in fact, when they were mastering it, Yokin was like. There's a lot of space here. Is that supposed to be there? And which I get. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. And then uh and then Trevor sent me back that sax. So happy. He said, This is the first time I ever played sax, and it's so good. <laughs> I really liked it. Why he has a sax, I don't know. And uh and I don't remember the other instrumentation, but I was really happy with that song. It really worked. It's a really good table setter for the rest of the record. I think too, and it's pleasant. Irving Fine goes to Louisville is the next track. Right. That one, um, Trevor made that title up. And um, I think he was kind of reaching for like early Amer- early 20th century Americana kind of thing for that title. And if I remember right, that one, he used this really weird cheap ass drum thing that he was telling me because I really like it. It reminds me of early Americana composing. So I think that's where that all came from. That tracks, that tracks. Uh, this is my favorite title of either record. Miles Davis's Willie Nelson. Yeah, I've been waiting to use that title for so long. Now, are you familiar with, uh, his, he has a song called uh, 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 Willie Nelson. Yeah. He has a song, Miles Davis. I think it's, it's either on Bitches Brew or Live Evil. Nelson, that always just cracked me up. So I thought, well, I'm going to do Miles Davis's Willie Nelson. That's it. <laughs> that's the whole joke. That's, that's perfect. I saw I saw Miles as a kid. I don't think I knew what I was. I did too. Him. Yeah, my mom dragged me. He, I wanted to see. He Kiss. was real good. He was great, and uh, sent me on a lifelong journey about. I, I saw him like people. shortly before he died. I'm sure it was his last tour, and he didn't even play that much. But man, just second you heard one note, it was that tone. You said, "Oh shit, that's really him." It was cool. Mm. I, I was an adult. I already liked him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was experiencing until after. But yeah, you know, that I, I, I wish I had been a little older. Um, yeah. Mime Ohm is next. That's a joke. Mime Ohm, like my mom. Get it? My mom. Oh, got it. That was our guest drummer Lee Offentopoulos, and I uh, actually I told him. I can't. Well, you can kind of tell. I told him. He's so good. He lives in Australia. And I said, um, there's a Duke Ellington song called Caravan. And I said, I'm kind of looking for a feel sort of like that. And it's, it's what he did. He didn't copy the riff, but it's similar feeling. And then I just, that that riff is really similar to uh, something. I could tell. I was like, oh, it really reminds me of maybe it was a war song or something. But I don't care. <laughs> I just thought it was a nice riff. And there's a couple places where I made a fuck up, so I just dropped a gun in a car on those. 
there's two places where I made some mistakes. So it goes, <laughs> like there, you can't hear the mistake. And then uh, Trevor put on those samples and it's Charles Bukowski and Marilyn Monroe. Wow. Okay. That That's all I remember. A, that adds a lot to it. That's good stuff. I, I, I thought I recognized the Bukowskis from something famous, like an interview with him. Right, right. I would have never known that was Marilyn, I don't think. I wouldn't have known either of them. But anyway, I really like those samples. Nice. Morton is the fifth track. Right. That one. Oh, there's Marilyn again. I had made up that weird guitar part, and then he just dubbed in the perfect upright bass stuff. And Morton, I thought I'd used it. I had made the sample of, of uh, Morton Feldman, where I took like 14 of his songs and piled them on top of each other. So it was called Morton, but I don't even hear it in there anymore. <laughs> so that's that. Inspiration next to is I, America. I, am, I America is, is, yeah, that's the next one. It's a good one. And that, oh, yeah, that's a rocker. I think it's kind of rock. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the most straight ahead of any of these tracks. In really? Terms of he played the most beautiful bowed stuff in this. Crazy. And he put in those voices, the choir singing. And that's me playing guitar. And the drums are not real drums. I think I found some weird drum thing online. And I know what it was. I had that drum thing on the guitar. I had already recorded it, never sent it to him. And he sent me that beautiful bowed stuff of the voices. And I dropped mine on there. I was like, oh, it's perfect. That's it. <laughs> they were in the same key and everything. Uh, I'm going to take a shot at this one. Is it winning kind? Is the seventh winning track? Winning kind. It's German. I think it means win a child. Okay. That's me on guitar again. Yeah, he threw in that. Uh, he did a lot on this. He did the piano. That, that guitar isn't a guitar. That's me playing Mellotron. That one just kind of fell together. I think I had that guitar and I sent it to him. He, when he adds stuff, he can add the best stuff to the most abstract shit. It's crazy. Crazy. It's really cool. Rickety Rick is the next to last track. Again, I recorded that weird acoustic guitar and he sent me that nice stuff. And at first I was like, I was like, do I need to adjust it? Sounds out of, out of key, like a different key. And then I, I said, I was messing with it. He goes, oh, I, I did that out of key. Do you want it in key? And I listened to it some more and I was like, no, no, you're right. That's perfect. Then I said, I sang some crap over it. And then at the end, he had added all this. He had recorded the rain he lives in new york he just recorded it you can hear an elevator and stuff and i left it and he said oh i was hoping you'd add something in that part because it goes on quite a while so i found a recording of a guy laughing and i slowed it way down and just dropped it in there and it really it sounds like someone with a tumor or some kind of speech impediment Ooh, it's actually a guy laughing that interesting out. i don't know which track it is on this record but i know there's like a it was speaking in New York. There was like a very New York sound, like a boiler room in a shitty apartment building kind of sound. I don't know how else to describe it except something from my childhood. I don't know. If oh, that's, I'm not sure. There's all kinds it might of might have been in that rain thing. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's an elevator. Okay. One of those cage elevators, you know. Right. The for like a right. freight elevator with a weird right, right. smell of like moldy yeah. cardboard. Wet. Yeah. <laughs> the things you remember. The final track. On the five done sacks. with Manus is five sacks, yeah. Right. It's called five sacks because Lee played drums on this again, and he only has one sack. So it's five sacks. Me and Trevor, as far as I know, both have two. I didn't ask, but I assume. And so Lee only has the one, so it's... And he played this amazing drum stuff on it. So good. Yeah, this is our burner, or jazz burner. Oh, this is the one where... Yeah, okay. 
I do my favorite bass solo of all time. It's this distorted. <laughs> I think I just loosen the strings. And then um, in the middle of this song is this total feedbacky nightmare. And that's the first thing I ever sent to. I said, hey, you want to try to make a record? And he had this like a beautiful glissando bowed bass. I was like, Jesus Christ. And then I play some harmonica on it. It's meant to be like a jazz burner, like a, one of those Mingus, you know, we're not that good. But, so that's that. I dig it, man. I dig it. I like these two records. I like they contrast each other. I think fans of yours they do really get it. And uh, I, both of these are great. I, I don't. I, are you? Do you ever have designs on performing any of this live? Or I know you said touring is kind of the Trevor stuff. Yeah, I tried to think of a way to do. It. <laughs> think of one. I would do it. I don't know. He's super busy, so I don't know how we'd even arrange something like that. Opposite. I mean, I would do it, but it'd, it'd be a trick. It'd be fun. Fun as hell. I'm I, sure I we could do it. I could see one of these European festivals like Roadburn maybe bringing you guys over to do something. Right. He's been there before, so um, and maybe you have. I don't know. But, yeah, it'd be interesting. No, I did a, I did a California jazz – California. Um, Canada jazz festival when we did the Melvin's uh, Phantomas Big Band. It was, like, it was like it was a jazz festival. I felt so great sneaking into a jazz festival. It was kind of a dream come true. So maybe we could wow. sneak into something like that. It would be cool. Uh, just as I want to give you back your time and your day, uh, I, I, just getting ready to chat with you today, I thought a lot about the early stuff that I liked with cows and you just mm -hmm. had like two big anniversaries. Cunning Stunts was 92 and uh, Sexy P Stories uh, 93. So it's 30 years this year, which is weird. But also wow. I know your tenure in Melvin started with the trilogy, which was 25 years ago, which is not actually, um, no, actually I did the one right before an electro oh, return. That's right. That's right. Um, I feel like that's also the lost record of theirs. Uh, weird. I like enough. that record a lot. Yeah. That's when I realized how much leeway they were going to give me because we were in the studio and they'd just be like, do something. And I was like, what? I don't know. Oh, shit really okay <laughs> um i don't know you know if you're on any terms with those guys or if, i'm know, in great terms with those guys are, that's good to know because you know i feel like melvin's is such such, such a tremendous story and it's never oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, they still continue to make really good stuff and, crover's crover's kid and my kid are like best friends oh that's cool i'm glad to hear yeah. it yeah 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 i love those guys it would have been a real shame and a loss if I wasn't able to reconnect with them. Glad to hear it. I, I When I saw them last year and they played some of the, your stuff, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and I love Steven, right? I love Steven. Oh, Steven's right? amazing. But it's but not, such no, a different style. Yeah, totally. And he's also like the best dressed guy in all of rock music. Um, How did it stage. sound? You didn't you didn't like it? No, I loved it. But like I made, made, rem, it made me reminisce about your your time in the band gotcha, that, gotcha, I, gotcha. that I'm a fan of. So, yeah, man, just uh, thank you for everything. Congrats on these two new records. And thank you. Super, super thanks for hanging out with Ghost Cult today and thank you, hanging out with me. Absolutely. Really thank you. You're so kind. I appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at Ghost Cult Mag. Until the next time, peace.